Hello, welcome to another episode of the Sung's Garage podcast with Sung Kang and me, Alex Harrington. Today we're talking to two racing drivers, Abby Eaton, who you might know from the Grand Tour, where she was their trained racing driver, and George Collado, who you might know from the Carfection YouTube channel. We talk about how to become a better driver, how to deal with negativity and failure, and their new show on the Carfection YouTube channel called Track Mode, where they take us around some of the greatest tracks on the planet, give us the history, and show us how to get the best time behind the wheel. This is a great episode. We really enjoyed having them on. Enjoy. Is that a dog? It is. DJ. <gasps> oh my goodness. <laughs> Hello. It's my one of one of our co-hosts. It's, one of our it's co-hosts. A bird, basically. Look <laughs> yeah. yeah. at I didn't even know. Genuinely didn't even know <laughs> until I moved. No, me neither. I was like, that's a lovely rug. <laughs> a lovely cushion. Yeah. Are you guys dog folks? Anybody have dogs out there? Uh, I I do Hi. not. Um, uh, but uh, I know Abby does. Well, you kind of do, don't you, Abby? Um, yeah, I love dogs. I'm obsessed with them. It's the first yeah. thing. If we're going to like someone's house, I'm like, do they have a dog? And I'm actually picking my puppy up on Friday. Oh. Oh. Yeah. What kind of Little, puppy? Um, it's a French bulldog. So it's mine and me, the half's first oh. dog together. And she um, has always wanted a French bulldog. So, yeah, finally gave in and um, <laughs> going to pick her up on Friday. So she's tiny. Wow. Yeah. Oh. That's, that's nice. It's a perfect time to have a puppy. They said yeah. that at, at the, all the shelters in the States um, were emptied out during the COVID because mm. people wanted puppies at home. So. Yeah. 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 We've had the same thing over here. I've had I've had Lid on at me. Can we get a puppy? Can we get a puppy? It's like, no. <laughs> Not yet. We've just got a cat. The cat will eat him. Gosh. Yeah. <sighs> Wait. For, before we go anywhere, Abby, is this is this legal? Is that Yeah, that looks all right. I think that I'd pass. Yeah. Okay. Actually. Strong well enough. Done. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is that a, a proper cup of tea? A proper brew. Yeah. What is so? What is what is the recipe for the perfect cup of tea? Because I, I I lived in London for about six months, and I never drank tea mm-hmm. until I moved to London. And I love tea, <laughs> but once I came to the states, it's really hard to drink tea here because it's yeah. not the, yeah. it's it's not common coffee. We're we're a coffee city or coffee country, so I started reverting back to coffee, and I started noticing that my tempo was off. Yeah. You know, because I think tea. I understood the whole phrase "be calm." Right, stay stay calm. Well, you guys say stay calm, right? Yeah. Just have a cup of tea. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. if you just want to chill, you have a brew. But you've yeah. got to start with Yorkshire tea bags. Okay, that's. I'm going to hand over to Abby to to run you yeah. through because okay. I, I am no authority. Bags. Yorkshire. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's the main thing. But but also hard water to brew the cup of tea with is important as well. Which is, um, I don't know where you live as to what kind of what you have, but I mean you can't change what you've got so just whatever what you've got put in it <laughs> nice and hot um, and semi-skimmed milk and not too much Semi-skim. of it and there you go mm. yeah you don't have to brew it forever some people are running about brewing it for ages just give it a good stir for like a minute out done yeah. how many cups of tea do you go through a day abby <sighs> if it's an admin day probably 10 wow and yeah. wow how about you, 
So I being being from Portugal, I again same thing as you. Like coffee was like my my thing, um, and I actually had a problem that when I moved to the UK, obviously I, I was in a house share, and you know there was about four of us, and I was living with. I, I never lived with anyone else from Portugal or anything else. I kind of moved straight into the heart of the UK in London, living with Brits, and every once in a while, like you know, we'd have. A, f a flat meeting about some someone not tidying up this or not doing that or you know there was kind of these family meetings but just between housemates and the first one that was called on me about me was that I didn't offer to make tea enough <laughs> and it was just like for me it just it, it was totally not a conscious thing it wasn't an evil thing it just wasn't in my DNA, you know what I mean? To like, because every time they'd go like, oh, I'm making a cup of tea, do you fancy one? I was like, oh, actually, yeah, absolutely. But it, it just never like, this. it just would never pop into my head to offer other people like, do you want a cup of tea? Because I never would, it, it just wasn't, you know, a thing. So I now, I, I sort of got back into coffee eventually after coming here. And same as you, I, I had to kind of cut back on the coffee a bit because I was just hitting the limiter a bit, uh, a bit too yeah. easily. So. Fine yeah. tea is like that sort of, it just takes the edge off a little bit. Uh, you know what I mean? So, but yeah, I, I would, I, I drink maybe one, maybe two a day. So, mm. about you, Alex? As well, can I just, yeah. can, can I just introduce someone? Right, come here. So this is my yeah. half Jess, right? Oh. And Hi. she Hi, Jess. Um, <laughs> was one of the drivers for the Fast and Furious live um, show, mm -hmm. um, and she ended up uh, buying one of the three fifties. Um, that was used in the film so she has that in the garage and yeah she loves you she thinks you're awesome so <laughs> which three which which uh, movie did they use your 350 in? i'm sorry which 350 <laughs> which three nice to meet you nice to meet Hi. you and you uh, which 350 from which uh, film the one from uh well i'm sure there were several but the 350z from tokyo drift Oh, oh, the, the blacky gray black one. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With, the, with, the, with the dragon or the yeah. with the old thing on there. Oh, you yeah. have that car? Well, I'm sure. That, I think there's like two or three like that. that are still usable. Yeah, I got one of them. The one that we used in the show. It's modified a bit now. It's got an LS3 in it, but yeah, I got it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> where was where was this live show? Was it the Universal? Is that is that one you're uh, talking about? I think yeah, it was backed by Universal. Vin actually came to one of the shows and he kicked off the premiere in uh, the O2 Arena and then we traveled Europe and it was supposed to go abroad, but um, supposed to go to the world, but unfortunately never got that far, but it was, um, it was a, the best time of my life and it was really awesome. Wow. wow. So well, the rest of the drivers yeah. on the show are going to be so jealous that I've had this conversation with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pleasure to meet you. I always love to meet Bass family because everyone who's worked on the movie or the franchise to some degree, it's wonderful to meet you because you contribute you know you make it all possible for us so i mean it's like don't undervalue your contribution i just want to say thank you so it's an honor to meet you real pleasure that's yeah. really nice of you thank you yeah. yeah thank you i hope to see you drive one day i hope to see the show so um, uh, it's not yeah. not going anymore but it was i had a great time at the time yeah thank well you. they might bring yeah. it back yeah sure sure all right yeah. <laughs> nice to meet you that's a whole nother podcast man yeah 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 this is it <laughs> Wow! I see right. the special guests straight from the yeah. get-go. <laughs> I, I don't have anyone I can pull out of the corner of the screen, so I'm sorry. It's just me. Wow, that's oh, awesome. Either. So, Abby, do you have access to that car? Is that the is that car in the UK? 
Uh, yes, yeah, so she has it. It's about a half an hour, 40 minutes away. Um, so actually, someone's just about to take it to make it road legal. So her eyes have gone all. <laughs> She's excited about it. Um, but yeah, it was kept at a place called Bedford Autodrome in one of their storage units there. So um, yeah, once a month or something, she'd go out and give it a thrash around. It's wicked. Dude, She's right up on this. A, a passenger. Yeah, it's cool. Dude, when I come to London... We should go visit the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Should be definitely. We got a feature yeah, on the site. And yeah. Kit, this is DK's car. <laughs> 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 he said he's going to keep the car. Donkey Kong. That's for that. That's for that sucker punch. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Well, so I mean, it's a well, real. Yeah. No, you carry on. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead, please. I was just going to say, I mean, we, obviously, we've, we're, you're here to talk about the new Carfection stuff and the new episodes you've got with Carfection, the, the track mode stuff. But I mean, for people who don't know you, introduce yourself. What do you do? Go first, Abby. Um, so my name is Abby Eaton. Uh, I've been a racing driver for 18 years. And uh, last year, my good friend, George Collada, asked me if I wanted to be part <laughs> of a new um, online uh, film uh, episode, uh, different episodes uh, featuring circuits around the UK and uh, around the world is what we're going to aim to do. Um, we talk a bit about the history. We have some awesome cars to drive, and we generally just have fun and um, yeah, call it a job. Which is- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm George Collado. I uh, have been racing for about 15 years, which is roughly the same time I've been in the UK, nearly 16 years now. I'm from Portugal originally, from Lisbon, uh, and I moved to the UK to sort of chase the, the racing dream. <laughs> and here I am. Um, essentially, uh, I met Abby, what, we, we met at Palmer Sport, and we were sort of at the same level, I think, like career-wise, in terms of you were racing in MX-5s and I was racing the MR2s, and we sort of came up through relatively the same channels. He was kind of like instructing at, at race schools and things like that. Um, and then, yeah, we, we were just friends since then. Obviously, Abby got a few cool gigs. I got some other few cool gigs. And eventually, um, COVID, when COVID hit last year, uh, I was I was already working for Carfection and we were kind of reviewed, do, look, lots of car reviews and things like that. And obviously, the manufacturers kind of cut all the global media launches and things like that because of COVID. So. I went to Drew, our editor, and I said, look, maybe now it's a good time to, because I had pitched this show like two years, over two years ago. Um, and we, we, you know, it, it, you liked it and it was sort of shelved for like maybe the, the right time. And I said, well, <laughs> I wouldn't call it the right time, but maybe now is the time. And uh, I, I said, should we do it? And he said, yep, go for it. There's nothing else like going on. So let's, let's do this. Uh, we, we had talked about having a co-host, having someone else, and I knew that Abby was doing the Grand Tour stuff, and obviously that had sort of just kind of was on pause as well. Uh, so I said to her, look, what are you doing next Monday? And uh, she said, nothing. So yeah, we started doing, uh, we did the first episode of Donington Park. Um, we'll get on to what like track mode is more in depth, but uh, that's how, that's the origin story of, of the show, really. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, the show really clicked with me because something we want to do at Suggs Garage is just open up the the car industry and the racing and, and all kind of aspects of the motoring industry to people who maybe haven't got the confidence or don't know how to do it. So Trap Mode, giving people that um, like that kind of lesson, because going to a track is really intimidating for the first time. Like, 
you know, going to a track day, you have no idea what you're doing. You don't know where to park or where to get fuel or how to change your tires or whatever. So having that is really great. So how did, um, if someone wanted to do a track day, let's say they're not a professional, but what would you give, what, what would the steps be that you, you give them? Uh, I'd, I'd say, so if you want to do a track day, either bear in mind that if you're going to do it in your own car, you're going to have to deal with the consequences, whether, <laughs> whatever the consequences may be. Uh, it could be nothing. It could be as little as, you know, changing some discs and some pads, uh, but also, you know, just jumping in your car and driving it to the track and then going around on track and all of a sudden everyone's flying past you and you're like, oh my God, uh, it's it's probably best to do like a driving experience day, a good one. So I don't mean, you know, the sort of drive a supercar around the car park up to like 50 miles an hour type thing. Um, I, I mean, like, you know, save some money, go and do a good driving experience around the track with an instructor uh, and then be like, okay, I, I think I'd like to do more of this if you decide so. Then yeah, maybe buy a car specifically for a track day or you know, make whatever relevant mods to your car um, to be able to take it to a track day and still drive it home afterwards. Um, that, that would be the, the sort of most logical way to do it. And the first thing, actually, when I say do mods to your car, I just mean the brakes and the pads so it's safe, but don't do mods to your car like turbos, this and that. <laughs> Get an instructor, like pay for instruction, yeah. professional. That's the best money you can spend. That is the best money. You'll, that's where you'll find the most time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'd say absolutely give it a go, but try not to sort of, you know, run before you can walk type thing. So, mm. so you know, when you, I'm sure you've met so many students on your journey as you know, instructors. What what are the characteristics that make a good student? Good listener, and, and then eventually a good driver. Oh, just good listening. Listener. Oh, just yeah. just someone who listens. Absolutely, uh, it's really difficult yeah. sometimes to do that, though, isn't it? You know, like in, in anything, and especially if you're in a kind of high pressure environment, like on a, a circuit. You know, someone can be telling you what to do and giving you a few instructions, but you, you might be listening and you and and it's going in, but it's actually being able to take on board what's being said. Um, and what I try and kind of say to people is, you know, you, you've driven on the road for, you know, 30 plus years or whatever. Driving on a track is is completely different. So kind of put your road driving brain on the shelf for a bit and almost be a bit of a puppet. So whatever the instructor says, just do, even if you don't understand why, do it. And then eventually, once you kind of it becomes a habit, you'll start understanding why you're doing those things. Um it's not easy don't get me wrong you know it, it's very tricky but you know that's part of the charm of learning how to drive a car on a racetrack but let's rewind a little bit so for the guy who's never even been in a go-kart right and maybe doesn't even know how to drive a manual car and doesn't understand the difference from front wheel and rear rear wheel like and you know these guys because you know I me and my colleagues have a lot to blame. They watch these movies and all of a sudden they want to start going fast and furious, right? So <laughs> you know, I mean, and they do. And so you know, I, I want to be able to kind of you know share a realistic way to become a safe driver. Like for you know, when I was a kid, if I heard you say, "Yeah, save up money," I'm like, "Hey, man, I, I don't make any money. There's nothing to save. I got no money to save." But I have this car, I got this little Toyota, and I want to go fast. And so if let's just rewind, like, you know, because I know a lot of guys, when I ask an instructor, they go, let's start with karting. Let's go to, uh, you know, electric car and go to a gas car and go to a shifter car. 
but that's an expensive process and that、mm. takes time and it takes resources. But for just the reg- regular Joe, and there's a lot of regular Joes, like, you know, I, what, what guidance can you give to be a good driver? And yeah, simply that.、Uh, do you want to go first, Abby? So, there's kind of some golden rules involved in、um, how to control a car or, or the things that you try and avoid doing. So, for example,、um, you imagine you, you have the steering wheel and you have the accelerator pedal. Now, imagine there's a piece of string that's attached on the bottom of the wheel that goes all the way down to your accelerator pedal. Now, if you turn the wheel, it's going to pull that pedal. So, you can't put as much acceleration down, you can't put as much gas down. Now, if you get the wheel nice and straight, and as you're straightening it up, that string's becoming more and more slack, it gives you the ability to put more acceleration down. And if you think of it like that, the reason why most people end up,、um, you know, you see these videos of people in, you know, high performance supercars, and they get to what they think is a nice straight piece of road, and they give it full power, and they end up firing themselves off, you know, off the, off the track. And all it is is that there's still some input into the steering wheel. So imagine if you want to start increasing your speed and, and you know, see、um, what the acceleration of this car has got, main rule is try and keep the car nice and straight. So keep the wheels in a straight line. And you know, if you've got a thousand horsepower car, even if you've got the wheel as straight as you've got and you give it some, it still might, you know, fire you off in one direction or another. But、um, Always keep the car nice and straight. Same for braking. If you can keep the car nice and straight while you're braking, it's going to be nice and stable.、Um, in a straight line, if you just lift off the accelerator or you brake, all that's going to happen is the car's just going to slow down and it's going to be in a straight line. You start adding lateral forces in and, and you've got the front wheels pointing in a bit of a direction or even loads or even just a little bit. The moment you add acceleration or braking into it, it's going to try and dart you off to whatever way you've got that steering wheel pointed. And that goes、that's, the same on the road, same on the track. Yeah. Gravel. That's, so, that's it. That's the answer I needed. It's so fundamental. But、yeah. you can apply the whole braking into the track because that's what all the instructors tell you. They never brake on a turn, right? No, so, no.、Yeah. It's all about yeah. minimizing inputs and giving the car the least amount of things to do at the same time. You know、yeah. what I mean? So, like it, the whole. You know, like trail braking is a technique where you can like brake and sort of still steer at the same time, but that's like advanced. You know what I mean? What Abby's saying about like braking a straight line, turn, make sure that you're ready to get the steering wheel straight at least. If it's not straight already, at least be ready to apply a bit of opposite lock. But yeah, th- those things are all things that you, you do discover a bit by doing. And, and you're right, probably the advice I'd give to someone. Uh, who maybe would have started driving when I started driving is, yeah, go karting is a good way to do it, but it can be expensive. Let's not kid ourselves, you know, like motorsports and cars and all this can get very expensive very quickly. So, yeah, yeah just some rental carts is kind of enough to feel a bit of, you know, a bit of feel the, the, the chassis moving in the U, you know what I mean? Just all those, all those components moving at the same time. While you're in control, gives you a good idea of like, okay, this, these are the things that I need to do. If the back end is skidding, I need to apply, apply a bit of opposite lock. The best way to do it is to just try and find. I know not everyone has private land, obviously, but if you can find somewhere where there's nothing to hit, you know what I mean? Or just like an empty space, an open car park that is legal, you know what I mean? I'm not saying go to a supermarket, but just <laughs>、yeah. somewhere.、Um, You know, like sometimes track days can get expensive, but there are companies that organize track days in airfields, you know, and, and that is a little bit cheaper. 
you okay maybe you have some more cars but you've got less things to hit so to speak and uh, Abby mentioned Bedford Autodrome which you know is kind of where we met and where uh, we've worked a lot of our professional lives and it is the best place in the UK dare I say the world for things like that because it's yeah. basically a converted aerodrome which was built purposely for that for just you go on the track go crazy with an instructor obviously with us you go absolutely you know let it all let it all hang out go for it and if you go off at least there's nothing to hit you know what i mean so that is the ideal place is just to have somewhere where like, like you said you know if you don't even have savings to buy a better car or to buy the car that you want all you have is this car if you crash that car then you got nothing you know what i mean then yeah. you're definitely yeah. so do it in a place where you can make mistakes and not pay the price, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, um, there's quite yeah. a lot of companies that do um, like taster sessions. I've seen so mm -hmm. like novice taster sessions that you can go on and um, pay by the hour, or like you have a morning session as well. So I think there's a lot more kind of effort to make thing make motorsport a little bit more accessible. Um, yeah. And even before that, even going back to like, let, let's say, you know, you have this car, you've saved up some money and you really want to go to a track and, and have a go. Um, simulators now, esports, online stuff is yeah. is growing yeah, so much. And point. I think, um, you know, I use that a lot to learn tracks that I'm going to be racing at. You know, for this year coming up, I've got um, six out of eight races are at tracks I've never been to before. So um, I will be on the simulator a lot beforehand and, you know, you go wrong, you make a mistake on the simulator, you press restart and away you go. So it's a lot safer way to kind of learn at least where you're going and what to expect when you get there. But um, yeah, there's there's no kind of, um, you know, there's nothing better than actually getting your bum in the seat and doing it in person in real life. And, you know, we understand that it's it's an extremely expensive thing to be involved with. Um, you know, we've been very lucky to have the opportunities that we've had as well. But um, yeah, the, the roads that are out there, as long as you kind of obviously keep it under the speed limit, um, you can still learn slightly advanced driving um, out there on the open roads. Yeah, there's nothing stopping yeah. you from trying heel and toe in a, you know, again, on, on an open road in a safe piece of open road you know i don't want to condone anyone yeah. starting to do apply racing techniques but you know the good racing <laughs> techniques could save your life yeah. on the road you know what i mean you right. good to right. know that you know if you slam the brakes on a car with no abs it's gonna lock like the wheels are going to lock up you know what i mean things like that That's are right. not just reserved for racing it's good to know in the real world uh but abby made a really good point there and i saw not so long ago an article i don't know who wrote it i can't remember now but that Sim racing is the new grassroots motorsport, you know, like it's mm -hmm. the, the racing drivers of the future will have been formed, will have come from a beginning in sim racing. And again, mm -hmm. there's nothing like driving the real thing and getting it, getting that feel, the noise and, you know, feel, feeling, feeling the seat and the steering wheel. But uh, sim racing is very, very good nowadays and a, yeah. and a lot of fun. Yeah. Now, did you guys always have this, Need for speed, if you will. I'm sorry, it's corny. <laughs> That's a different That's franchise. Two. That's a different franchise. <laughs> I mean, did you guys, as as kids, have this need to go fast? I mean, did you always have it in you? Uh, my my story is a bit quicker, so I'll go first, Abby. Like I know yeah. I'm I'm a child of. Fast and Furious and Gran Turismo. You know what I mean? The double, <laughs> the deadly double combo. Uh, I literally just, I was 12-ish, I think. And 
some friends were like, oh, you know, you got to try this game. You got to try this out. Uh, and I was like, wow, this is cool. This is like a better racing game that I've had in the past. It's a bit more complete. Loads of cars. All of a sudden, you're driving these cars that you could only like dream of. Um, and then obviously, Fast and Furious comes out, and I'm like, oh, but this is real. Like these cars actually exist. Like that's a, that's a super. Wow, like that's crazy. And uh, it just like snowballed from there. Like I then realized that actual racing was. I mean, obviously, I'd seen Formula One and stuff, but that's that's cars that at the time I couldn't you know, identify with, so to speak, they're not road cars. And as soon as I saw that, actually, like you, you can race these cars, like the people go and race these cars that look like the dad, the the car that my dad drives, you know, Um, like uh, speaking of like DTM and the Vauxhall Vectra, you know what I mean? Or Opel Vectra, like for example. And I just thought this is insane. Like this is um, like in a good way. I was like, this is amazing. Like I, I don't know. Like, and then I, I went out with some, again, some older friends who could drive and it was like, just, uh, we went out in a civic, I like check out the VTEC and it's like, Wah! and I just don't know. I was like young and impressionable. And I just thought, do you know, and, it, and it, you're so right there. It was the speed for me. It wasn't so much like I love cars and I love the car culture and I love car people. But for me, it was, it was the speed. It was the like cont- being in control of something going that fast, really like it just, did something to my brain. I don't know. To the point that I then, yeah, like I left, not left, I finished school, but I didn't go to university. I was like, right, I'm off to the UK. Um, I actually studied, I actually studied Japanese for two years because I was like, right, I'm going to Japan. Like this is, I thought, where are the, where are the places in the world where I can, you know, be surrounded by like motorsport and Japan and the UK were like the, the two countries that were, you know, Portugal, they, like they love, racing they love rallying but it's just not very you know what i mean there's no there's not much going on in terms of yeah actual there's a legacy yeah, yeah there's, a uh, legacy there's history you know what i mean but there yeah. isn't a track day every other day like there is here in the uk you know what i mean so right. i thought okay japan here i go and then last minute i kind of chickened out a bit because i don't know i was i was 18 and like my family was still you know they were all very supportive but the uk to portugal is a bit closer you know what i mean so uh and you know i already spoke english and you know my japanese wasn't necessarily coming on leaps and bounds so i just moved to the uk and then that was that i when i got here sort of got some money together started racing the mr2 challenge you then start meeting people who work in racetracks and then it just snowballs from there and you yeah here we are so yeah no no one in my family no one in my family had anything to do with motorsport still like (laughs) my dad like again nothing to do with motorsport so i have no idea where there was no influences there so <laughs> you explain it was that, probably man. it was a good it was a good decision you didn't come to japan because you probably would have started looking for han's garage and it's not real <laughs> shot that in la well you're telling me shot that in LA. Those, cars in those car parks don't actually exist <laughs> <laughs> so the drift king is not actually the king no, he's, he's, no, he's not. He's actually a doctor on a show called <laughs> Chicago MD. <laughs> so he's Dr. King. Yeah, now he's MD, not DK. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about you, Abby? Where did this, this need come from? So mine's a bit different uh, from George there. So my dad's always raced um, ever since he was a young kid. Um, he started on bikes when he was like 16 years old. Um and in fact, I'm just trying to think, I think he actually didn't have any 
Oh, his older brother used to race bikes as well. So I think it maybe came from his brother and kind of passed down like that. But um, yeah, so my, my dad had raced bikes. He did um, some speedway stuff for the bikes and he did uh, some karting and um, 250 national and super karts, like ridiculous. The speed involved in those things is like, it's frightening. Um, some of them are still in the championships that, that run around the UK now. And there's sometimes at the, the same race weekends that um, like car championships are at. And they will easily be like 20, 30 seconds uh, a lap quicker than a, than a car wow. going around. And you've got no protection in these things. It's, it's crazy. Um, so, yeah, dad did that. And then he moved up into cars um, when his... In fact, there was a reason why he ended up moving into cars. He had a really big crash in one of his carts and um, ended up flipping. And it was like two months after I was born. And he was like, I need to do something that's a little bit safer. You know, I've got a kid to look after now. So then moved into cars. And then um, that was where it all began for me. So I was uh, supporting my dad from, you know, being a tiny little baby, you know, growing up around the race circuits. Um my dad ended up uh, running in a series called Eurocar and um, had a bit of a kind of corporate hospitality on the side for the sponsor that he had. Um, so mum was involved with running that and, you know, it was a job for them. It, it was a business and, um, you know, I'd be there from, well, they'd, they'd probably turn up maybe uh, Wednesday night. So I'd be there Wednesday night all the way through till, you know, Sunday night, Monday morning. And wow. um, all the kids of all the drivers, you know, back in, in the day when it was kind of safe to do that, that, you know, all the mums and all the, the team owners would always have a little eye out and see where the kids were. And we'd all just go and, and play and, and just muck about on bikes. So I remember I, I loved my mountain bike and my BMX bike. I'd do big stunts and fall off and come crying up to mum with my grazed arm and stuff. And um, I just remember watching watching my dad around the circuit <clears throat> And it was just, yeah, it's just something that I was like, that just looks so cool. And, you know, seeing my dad come in and seeing how happy he was when he'd done well and, you know, just seeing the passion he had for the sport. I was like, wow, this, you know, I've got to do this. And, you know, the question that I get asked quite a lot is obviously, you know, being a female in a male dominated sport, you know, some girls now are like, what, like females, girls can race. And that never, ever entered my mind even back then when it was it was less common to have females in motorsport like it never entered my mind that females couldn't do it and um my dad was racing a circuit in the uk in, Sc in scotland called knock hill and it's got a little go-kart that's that's attached to it and i basically i really really wanted to go on these go-karts like i was obsessed for this weekend that we were there i was like i need to to do this i just like stood like we're looking at this go-kart track with people driving around i was like I need to do this and I asked my mum and dad and they were really busy and they were like no you know it's expensive and blah 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 like we've got stuff to do so I went in the back of the truck and I found um, a cardboard box so I cut a little money slot at the top of it and then I went around all the teams and I was I think I must have been like seven at the time I went around all the teams all the awnings and I've got this little box and I'm like my mum won't my mum and dad won't pay for me to go karting please will you donate for me to go karting <laughs> So obviously everyone was like, of course we will. Like they found it funny, you know, and putting money in and stuff like that. And I got back to the awning and I was like, mom, mom, I've, I've got enough money to go karting. And obviously my mum and dad are absolutely mortified. They're like, oh my God, I can't believe you've done that. Go and give all the money back. But obviously <laughs> no one wanted to take the money back. Um, and, you know, in the end, my dad was like, oh, 
we're gonna have to go karting aren't we you know um so that's kind of where it started um yeah started in carts carted for four years and um moved up kind of through the different um, forms of versus sport so started off in a little citroen saxo vtr little 1.6 um was my first kind of junior championship that i was in um moved through to gts um raced in british gt raced in blanc pan in, in ferrari 488 um gt3 car and then yeah just gone on from that so it's all all my dad's fault basically i could be like <laughs> a rich successful doctor right now but i'm a racing <laughs> driver instead and i love it but, but there are a lot of kids that are around their parents and they never adopt what their parents are into so you had yeah, it in true. you right mm. and mm. so this is something that you know on a personal level this week i've had to kind of you know revisit and deal with you know it's like i'm sure in any competitive you know field and a competitive sport you guys deal with disappointment and losses and, you know, and, and my job actor's job is 99% rejection. You know, we go in and we told you, you're too tall, too short, too Asian, not Asian enough. Like, well, I to, hair's too long, too short, whatever. It's, it's, it's usually no, no, no. And there's this Asian phrase says, you know, fall seven times, get up eight. And no matter how old I am, I still get affected every time, mm. you know, I get turned down or I guess passed up for a job because we put our heart into it. Cause without the passion, I know that you guys wouldn't be here. Right. And, and I, I bet, I don't think there, there needs to be another actor in the world. So I love what I do. Like I'm, it's borderline obsession. So when friends tell me, Hey man, you know, don't get so affected. It's so hard, but you yeah. guys, you know, I'm sure you're not winning every single race, you know, it's like those victories are rare. So what has, what, what tools have you learned to deal with that and not get reactive and disappointed and discouraged? I don't think, I don't think uh, there's ever really any, any. I don't think tool. I have learned to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> I it's think just it's just, things, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think everyone deals with it in their own way as well. Yeah. Um, you know, we all, we all will get knocked back. It's the same in anything, any, any sport, any job, you know, you go for a promotion, you don't get it, you know, it's, it's life, unfortunately. But I think probably similar with, with the, the acting is, you know, you have to pitch yourself and um, for, for drivers, the main thing that you get rejection on is, is when you're trying to find budget to go racing. And um, I, I'm not from a wealthy background, haven't got a wealthy family and all the, the sponsors and stuff that I secure is all done from me you know I can't pay for a manager to go and find them and stuff like that so I would spend hours and hours and hours doing proposals for companies and I'd want to make it special for them so I'd spend ages on paint shop like you know mocking up these race suits and cars so that it's striking to them when they look at it and most of the time you don't even get a response and all I would want is a response just saying no you know, I don't mind if they, they don't want to. That's fine because, you know, it's not going to work if they're not 100% in it. But that's that's the thing that's the most um, horrible to do is is the, um, you know, not getting a response. So even the no's is, is difficult, you know, to be rejected, as you said. But um, for every no, you're closer to getting a yes. And <laughs> yeah. you just got to stick it's with it, which is, is a different way of, of saying, you know, get knocked down seven, get up eight, you know. That's right. That's right. said, like we we spent i mean personally and i know a lot of us like i spend more time behind the laptop 
than behind the wheel. You know what I mean? Trying to make things happen for things to then happen. And 99% of the time things don't happen. And you just, people are like, oh, you know, like never give up. And it's like, that's, that's kind of, that's, that's a bit of an idea that I've given up so many times and, and then gone back. You know what I mean? So I think if the passion is there, like you will eventually think, no way, this is never happening. I'm going to give up. And then you just don't, you know what I mean? You just, you just, keep going I I don't know it's like usually at that quite, point yeah. I don't know about you George but yeah. usually at the point you say I've had enough something comes up it's literally like I mm-hmm. I remember like this was about 2009 or so I had potentially you know put together this deal for a, it was a championship in in Dubai uh it was at the time that like in the Middle East motorsport was like exploding and this uh the I made friends with the championship coordinator And he basically said to me, look, if you can, I need to insure all these cars because they owned all the cars and it was a pay to drive thing. I need to insure all these cars. If you can get me a good insurance, there's no motorsport insurance companies out here. If you can get me a good deal with the UK insurance company, you get a free drive, right? And there were, there were Chevrolet cars. I spoke to Eric Nev, like literally the head of motorsport for, for Chevrolet. The car was there with my colors on it. You know what I mean? I wanted to paint it like the same blue as the world touring car car uh, to like just represent what I wanted to get to. Like the whole thing. And this is like, this is at this point that you think I've made it. You know what I mean? Like I've all these no's, like Abby said, finally, it's a yes. And then because it's a very wealthy country for some reason, like all, all the other drivers who were signed up for the championship came up and said, we don't want to pay extra money for insurance. Like if we break the cars, we'll just, get new ones we'll just pay for it so the whole deal fell through and i remember like that was the biggest blow to me because i thought i like the car was there with my name on it waiting you know what i mean and you i somehow the no still managed to find its way into my (laughs) my computer screen and i i think i just stayed in bed for a week you know what i mean like sometimes you just like close yourself off throw a strop don't you literally you just go (laughs) and i'm like right this is it i'm giving up uh and then you just don't like yeah. you just you just don't give up it's it's weird and i think it's because of the passion if the passion is there you're just going to keep going yeah so. i i'm like you uh, is it george or jorge well like in portuguese it's george i call him jorge she calls yeah. me jorge for I'm not from spain you know what i mean so i just go with george it's just easier for everyone you know okay I mean? george all right george that's cool it's, it's weird it's yeah I know. I know a lot of jorge yeah but anyway george yeah. i'm i'm the same with you is when i when i get when I have like a massive, like stress-related rejection or I start going through that kind of insecurity, my body shuts down and I just yeah. go to sleep. And it's, it's amazing just that sleep and I wake up a few hours later, just perspective. And then you got to start, it's like Lego, you build that back, you know, it's you, like you, you fi- build the self-esteem. Yeah. I find that yeah. I can't help it. You know what I mean? I find that I'm yeah. like, right, I give up. I am done trying to like find opportunities. And then I do that, like I either, you know, you either go to sleep or you give it some time. And then after I say to myself, I've given up, I've given up, but my brain's still going like, no, but what if we put this person together with that person and the other person? Yeah, your heart's I given up, but your, it, you know? your mind yeah, has Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. And then I just find myself straight back at it. And I guess that's good, right? <laughs> and what I, what I love about you guys, your energy, is anytime I meet teachers, like I really... I'm humbled and in awe because you put yourself I mean, you put other people and your knowledge, you know, ahead of your own, I guess, your own desires or your own need. And so anyone who calls them, who isn't 
who's who's in a position to be called a teacher or an instructor. You know, I I, I first have you know in, in, in immense ad, you know admiration for that because I, it's something that I tried and it's very hard for me to teach people because you got to be patient, you got to be fluid, and you got to adapt to that person's personality. And, and I, I don't think I'm there yet where, you know, it's not about just me and my niche, not as evolved. But, you know, the, the, I, I guess the question is, when you go, I'm in, in my career, in my field, there's actors that deal with the same rejection and the pain, but then they take a course and then when they make it or become successful, they're very toxic. They're very hyper competitive. They talk a lot of shit about everybody, you know, and it's not a, it's not an inviting or good mood dude vibe. They took it, they said, well, you know how hard it was for me? Like, you know, I had nothing, nobody helped me. So I'm not helping anybody. And so I really like to mind people like you is like, where do you get the spirit? Like you deal with rejection. You just told me how hard it is, right? Like, you know, just fact, decent respect. They don't even reply to you. Like, how, mm. come on, they don't even do that. And instead of that turning into something toxic, what gives you guys the, the, the tools and the, the shield to continue to be good mood dude people, you know? Mine is my dad, probably. It's just that, how I've been brought no. up. You know, my dad is um, quite an optimistic person. Um, I love him to pieces. So is my, well, mum and dad both together, you know, they're, they're lovely people. And, you know, they've, they've always brought me up. And I remember I quote my dad, he said, you know, the, I th- can't remember who it was. It was some racing driver that was basically being a bit of a diva. And my dad was like, you know, proper Northern guy. He's like, Abigail, if you ever do anything like that, if I ever see your head in the clouds, I'm going to pull you back down to earth so hard. You know, you, you're going to, you know, remember where you come from. Never, ever, ever forget where you come from. Never forget the journey you've had. You know, that's what makes you, you. And, you know, I think probably in motorsport, the people that are um, the difficult ones and the divas and, and the not very nice people, they're the ones that haven't had the rejection. They haven't had the hard work. You know, they might have had a few no's here and there, but actually the hard work that, you know, the grafters go through, they've not had to deal with it. So for them, they've had a lot of yeses and a lot of opportunities and a lot of people come to them because they've got the money and, and so on. And so they almost feel entitled and they feel um, as though they um, they have a right to be in a certain championship or to be a racer. Whereas I think with George and I, we've had so many setbacks and we've come from, you know, don't get me wrong, you know, my family are comfortable, you know, we've not come from the bones of our asses, as my dad would say. Um, but you know we've we've um still had to work hard they've worked hard and it just means it's more rewarding when you get the yeses and you know you you enjoy those yeses a lot more i i agree you know i would go back to god saying this word in the same context as fast and furious but it's family you know what i mean like genuinely i if i have a bad day at work dealing with toxic people, like you said, because there are quite a few in motorsport, like Abby said, there are like you, you work, when you work at race schools or when you work in, in like uh, launches for new cars, there's always like the, the sort of more elite group of certain racing drivers, you know, like I've, I've met really good people who have had everything handed to them and they're still good people, you know what I mean? And I've met, it, it's all good, but it's when, when people come in and they're like, own it, they feel like they own 
everything because everything has always been given to them. You know what I mean? Like, and, mm -hmm. and it gets really, it, that, there's so many people like that in the world of motorsport and, and they try, they get themselves up there by pushing you down, if you know what I mean. And it's an insecurity it's, thing on that. It's an insecurity part. thing. And for me, like when I, because it, it does affect you, when I feel down because of those people, I come home and I Skype my mom and my dad and my brother and it's all good because I've got that. I've got my family and I know that a lot of those people don't have that, you know what I mean? Or, or don't have it in the same way or don't value it as much as I do or we do, you know? So yes. for me, yeah. that, for me, that, that brings me like <laughs> uh, down from the clouds or back, back, back down to earth, so to speak. Well said, well said. Mm. Mm. So car fiction, track mode, what is it? So <laughs> car fiction, first of all, <laughs> is the absolute best automotive channel on YouTube, <laughs> right, right next to yes. Alex, Alex does cars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, basically it's a, it's a, it's a automotive publication. Let's call it that. I mean, you know, they're mainly, you know, putting content out through YouTube, um, where we focus on the best content we can create possible. You know what I mean? The best, the best sort of high, the highest production value, the most informative, um, always with that sort of the cinematography being kind of the, the, one of the key, uh, one of the main things really, I think, I, I don't know, we must be like we're one of the top three or five in terms of subscribers, maybe, I don't want to say a number, but we're, we're one of the top ones here in the UK, but simply because like quality is like the number one thing, if you know what I mean, in terms of how we present, uh, a, a product, let's call it that, a car, obviously in this, in this case. Um, and, and yeah, I'm very, very fortunate to be, to be working with, with these guys, uh, because it was, it was just, so I kind of forced myself, <laughs> forced my way in. It's in a, in a, in a good way. Um, uh, I was, I was working with a charity here in the UK called Speed of Sights, uh, ages ago. I was, I was, uh, they're basically it's it's run by a chap called Mike Newman and he's got the the land speed record for a blind person so he's completely blind um and he's done the world record i think it's 213 I want to say 200 and something miles per hour in a, in a in a GT yeah. while blind um so yeah there are obviously all sorts of logistics that go into that but anyway he's a legend and he runs a charity called Speed of Sight that builds cars and provides track experiences for people with not just people with, with, uh, who are blind, but people with all sorts of disabilities. Uh, and I was at the time working with them and I thought he's such an amazing person that I want to do like a documentary on him or something to like try and get the word out there. So I, with my crappy cameras and sort of crappy editing skills at the time, put together a, a, um, like a mini documentary about him, I guess, and about his journey and about the charity and drew our editor at Carfection Car yeah, at the time he saw it and he was like right we want to do a feature on him on on, on mike uh so they came and did that uh that's when i met the, the drew from Carfection or the guys at Carfection and then yeah over the years because uh, i do a lot of work with manufacturers and like new car launches whenever the media come to test drive the cars and write about them i sit next to them and make sure they don't kill themselves and things like that and um i just yeah i came across Carfection quite a few more times and then one day I bumped into Drew at a, um, a f uh, the International Film Festival here in the UK, Motor Film Festival sorry, uh, so it's basically a festival 
about films about cars. And uh, yeah, we just started chatting and I said, hey, look, you know, I don't know how it works. Do you take on freelance workers? You know, like, uh, do, you, do you have contributors, things like that? And he's like, yeah, you know, we were always interested in good ideas, love putting stuff out there that's, you know, uh, original. Uh, and I said, look, you know, I've got all these ideas. I want to do all this, you know, like I'm going to send it to you. And he's like, yeah, you know, cool, cool. You know, send me an email type thing. And I just, I felt like, okay, you know, maybe he's just saying that, but I, I don't know, I'm going to do it anyway. So I came home, transformed my home into a studio, my poor wife, um, and just basically did a few videos, you know, kind of like at home on the ideas that I had. And I sent them to him and I still don't know whether they were that good or bad, but he simply replied like, holy shit, you, you did what you said you were going to do type of thing. You know what I mean? So uh, that kind of got his attention. Um, and yeah, and then I, I did some editing on one of the videos that they that they put out. And they're like, wow, so you, you can do video editing as well? Like, that's it's pretty cool. And I'm like, yeah. George you know, is very, very, very good at editing. It's he, uh, <laughs> Dan plays it. He's wicked at it. Yeah, anyway. So <laughs> thank you, Abby. Um <laughs> So I thought, you know, it's two things that I really like, obviously cars and driving. And, and I do like the, the, what goes on behind the camera as well. And, you know, the editing and the whole process, cinematography of, of all these videos. So, yeah, so I started doing both type, type thing. And uh, yeah, just like I said, I just kind of forced my way in, I guess. And, and here I am. They just started giving me more and more opportunities. Uh, I've driven some wicked cars. I've, yeah, we've, we've had some fun since. Um, and yeah, they, you know, right there for the love of cars that's kind of what what the channel is all about you know what i mean it's uh it's just trying to bring cars to live life in the best way possible you know whether it be it through cinematography or just car reviews we've got obviously henry catchpole who's i will put a number on it now he's like top three best in the uk at least um and you know he could read the phone book and you know you'd still pay like attention so he's very, very good. And I, like when I came in, it was kind of like trying to bring a bit more of a motorsport side to it and just uh, just something different, you know what I mean? Because obviously I could never compete and that's not the idea anyway. And uh, yeah, I'm fortunate enough that Drew's got this mindset that like he wants to put videos out that he wants to see as well. You know what I mean? So it's not just what does well numbers wise. It's just bringing content that he finds worthwhile. And track mode is one of such examples because like i said I, I pitched this to him about two years ago and it was just one day i was at a track day i had a friend there who had a camera and i was like wouldn't it be cool to like we always come to these coliseums you know what i mean to all these racetracks and i find that like if you're a car guy and if you love driving you, you can't not love a, a racetrack or a specific racetrack or be more enthusiastic about one more than the other or you know there'd be a racetrack that you prefer whatever uh you know, racetracks, if there was no racetracks, there'd be no racing, you know what I mean? So I thought some of these places have so much history that like we, you're not even aware with. Like people go, oh, you know, I'm standing where like Ayrton Senna stood and it's like, yeah, and more, you know what I mean? Because before him, there was this whole thing, you know what I mean? There's this whole story. And, and I just started digging like through the history of Donington Park, which was the first episode that we did. And you find out that it was like a, a bike racer who was just trespassing the park around the Donington Hall. You know what I mean? And he's literally just going, wow, this would make a wicked racetrack. And he was busted and like by the groundskeeper and took him to 
you know the owner of the of the land and everything and he went like right you know i just found this guy like trespassing and to weasel his way out of it to like try and get out of it he said oh i was only here because i think it would make a really good racetrack you know we should come racing here and obviously the owner went like no idea but like okay I, that sounds would it make money and he's like oh absolutely loads of people would come like no idea but loads of people would come and that was that like they gave it a go, a go and now we have donington park like one of the most iconic racetracks in the uk uh and yeah just, i just found like all these niche all these little nuggets of history would be worth telling obviously we are a car channel um an automotive related channel so to go to these tracks and talk about the tracks we're going to need a car and i just thought if we get a car if we try and every time get a car that is the most appropriate possible for the track that we're going to that makes it you know it marries the two things a bit a bit better so we try to fill in the, our viewers you know with the story about the track whilst taking them around the track telling them how we see it from our perspective as as racing drivers and and how we feel like a certain corner should be taken and then at the end we go for a fast lap i either like instruct abby or she instructs me and just to just so you can really feel like what it would be like to go around that track at speed with all the pace notes if you want to call it that with all the the instructions um and yeah and we just wrap it up at the end like that and it just sort of just the whole package of you know what i mean there's we we make we do them on track days you know i made a point of filming these things during track days because you know how it is like some like there's always interesting people around always interesting cars there's always a dynamic that just naturally happens when there's other cars on track whether it's you know funny or cool or fast or this whatever so it just yeah and like alex said it's good it's, i'm so glad like to hear when you said that like it really resonated with you because i was nervous you know it was kind of like my my brain child and i thought this is either going to like hit a, you know the, the right notes or it's going to flop um and yeah i think it's been doing all right i mean we we were supposed to be doing be up to like fifth or sixth episode by now because of covid we've done two episodes uh one at donington park one at cadwell park which is even more of a gem of a track which is you know they call it the mini nova green and there is there is a reason behind that which is what we set out to find on this on that episode and we take a lotus exige cup 430 which is just an insane car like so fast so nimble it was perfect for that track we found um that was the idea and uh and yeah just all these like funny little things happen and we yeah there's there's so many cool stories that that just come to life when we're there and then we just tell that on the show so thank you that's it <laughs> great idea i think it's just so part wonderful. of part of it was to try and be a little bit informative mm-hmm. light-hearted a little bit of humor um and just some yeah i think some of the history parts of, of the circuit and and stuff i think it's just so interesting and it's stuff that you take for granted when you're driving around these things you know there's certain you know big things that as you say that you know certain part of the track um that a lot of people know but it's the little bits and bobs that you never hear from and um yeah, it's like there's... like Cadwell Park. Sorry, yeah, mm-hmm. like Barn Corner at Cadwell Park. Yeah, everyone knows. Like, why is it called Barn Corner? Because there used to be a barn there, and during races, it was actually stipulated in the li- the, the circuit license they could only run races at the circuit if they opened the gates to the barn, so that if people like miss their breaking point, they could just like dodge into through the barn type thing. And it's just that's hilarious to me, and it's just <laughs> so funny how like back in the day, motorsport was this 
you know, not almost utopic scene, you know what I mean? What health just, and safety. It's just like what health <laughs> and safety, you know what I mean? Like there's Adwell Park, like the son of the owner of, of the land, again, who was the one that sort of started the whole racing thing. They used to race bikes there still to this day. It's mainly known for its bikes. Super bikes going over the hill at Cattle Park is over the mountain. It's crazy. Um, he like did the first few races there and his, his career came to an end because on one of the races that he won, he crossed the finish line in first place, flat out as you do, obviously. And right on the other side of the finish line was the stand for the timekeepers who at the time, at the time could, yeah, who, who would mark the times on the stopwatch. So he just like obliterated the stand, ended up in a coma in hospital and, you know, eventually came, came back, so to speak. And they were like, okay, like we're going to have to sort this out because this is dangerous. But the way they thought was, okay, this is dangerous for the timekeepers. So they thought, all right, let's put, Let's park a double-decker bus here, put the timekeepers on the top, so then if the bikes hit the bus, they don't hurt the timekeepers. But they still park the bus after the finish line. So <laughs> on the next race, obviously, the guy who won it went straight into the bus, lost a leg. And it's just like, yeah, there's just so many stories like that. that are just You just they beg belief, you know what I mean? It's, it's crazy. So, it's great. Yeah, we That's tell a great idea. Story. We tell all these stories whilst going around flat out shouting at each other. So it makes it quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's a great balance. It's a great balance of, of that, you know, for the motorsport enthusiasts and the history buff, because I, I love that history aspect of it. Like that's, you know, when, when you go to an old football field, right, in, in, the, in, in England, there's so much history and people love to tell you about the history, right? I, I, it's brilliant. Yeah. I'm a fan. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be subscribing and watching. I'll be. I'll be telling everybody about it. Life That's made. Me. Life made. Brilliant. Guys. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, there's you one. Uh, Abby. Abby can't do spa, right? Is that? Did you say spa, Abby? Yeah, spa. Uh, so. my, yeah, Abby has got other commitments with uh, the race series that she's doing, so she can't do spa. So there might be an opening spot for a guest host. You know, that might be. Uh, I'll, we'll have to cast you. We'll have to come in and read for it. But, <laughs> uh, I don't have the strength. <laughs> I'll never wake I, up. I'm pretty sure it would be a guaranteed yes, but it's up I'm to you. I'm going into you know? a coma. Like I'm going into a coma. Can't <laughs> <laughs> handle it anymore. Uh, that would be an amazing well, track to go around, though. That would be, yeah, and spa as well. Mm. That is, that yeah, yeah. yeah, I can actually. I'm not busy on the day but i'm yeah. not allowed to do it because the series that i'm racing in um there's a rule that basically i can't race at any of the tracks or i can't even drive around any of the circuits that i'm going to race at once the season started so i'm free uh. and i could go there but i'm not allowed <laughs> i've been there before but i'm not allowed so yeah it's a shame but i would be honored if you would take my place and oh. do it so yeah Feel free. It's, for, it's official. It's for the By the way, it's terrifying being sat next to George. Just is it? Especially in a car. No, it's not really. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I trust him. I, 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 I don't get scared sat next to Abby. No. Fine. No. No, why? You should be. You should be terrified. <laughs> no, I should try and make that work. That'd be that'd be a lot of fun. Genuinely, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, yeah. I mean, to be honest, anything that we, that could come of, of this, and like that we could do on the channel, like it would be an honor. But, but that would be super cool because I think it's. I would love that. Like I said, Spy is a is a really that when I said Coliseums, like Spy is like a motorsport coliseum. You know what mm. I mean? So wow. much, like so much history. So, 
Yeah. Well, the plan mm. is, I, I'm, I think by with once all this COVID stuff is, you know, is kind of sorted out, I'm supposed to be in England. So I'll be there yeah. for a while. So you guys will probably be sick of me. So yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad I know some teachers there so I can improve my driving while I'm out there yeah, and sure. uh, we can hang out. Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. Um, oh, yeah. How far, how far are you guys from London? couple of hours on the train like yeah on the train yeah uh, yeah i'd, okay. I'd say well yeah it depends minutes. at the moment with covid no traffic <laughs> an hour into, <laughs> an hour in 20 minutes i had to go to the doctors oh, okay. there the other day. i did it in an hour in 20 minutes it's it's really like we got the m1 which is literally like the main yeah. way that's just straight in and it's yeah. obviously if we're talking in, in normal times with london traffic well you know, don't do it <laughs> yeah go on the train <laughs> yeah. i like the train I, yeah. I take the train as much as i can yeah. anytime there's Same. trains in the city i, I take that it's it's yeah. foolish to take a taxi or a car we just find that like in the area that we're we're in like in in the midlands i suppose um we're like in the center of the motorsport web you know what i mean like we're like me and abby work a lot at silverstone we work a lot at uh, Bedford Autodrome. Like it's, we're kind of as close to every racetrack as you can get, apart from like, live, you know, at the same time. You know, if you know what I'm trying to say, like it, it's yeah. the most convenient place. There's loads of racing drivers around here. It's 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 genuinely. That's like, the only reason I'm here. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. 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 Hey, you guys, do do you feel like motorsport is dying in the UK? Because in California, you know, the word on the street is they could barely get enough cars in a formula drift you know final mm -hmm. competition because you know the sponsors are pulling out there's just no money and you know the audiences are not watching right so even on youtube like formula drift had like 1700 viewers the whole time right yeah. like yeah. that's not that's not going to sustain you know so how do you guys feel Is there a future i think the opposite here yeah, i think it's getting bigger yeah. and bigger um, especially yeah. at club level, um, exactly. there's been a massive, massive increase of people in motorsport. Even like last year, obviously, we had the lockdown and, and in between those periods where you were able to go to tracks that like you could not get in to do a track day or test it anywhere. It was absolutely chocker. It was full. Um, and I think it's maybe it's just made people think, do you know what? Um, you know, I, I only live once. And I want to go out and I want to have fun. And, you know, my passion is motorsport. So I'm going to go out on track. And I think it could even be that um, obviously big companies have been hit by um, these issues that have arisen with COVID. So they haven't got the millions of pounds to spend on the higher level of racing. So they're having to kind of come down and come down to cheaper racing in, in club motorsport. And um, I think we're lucky in the UK, as we mentioned earlier, that, you know, it is a good motorsport scene in the UK. And um, a lot of the championships now are oversubscribed. Um, like there's a, an MX5 championship, for example, that, that they have to split the entries up into three heats because there's so many cars. We've got three heats of 30 cars and then they go mm. through to um, an A final and a B final and then, uh, you know, a, a full final at the end. So, um, I mean, in terms of the drift side of things, I'm not really fully clued up in the UK on, on drift stuff, but um, I think probably in the UK drift is, a, is less uh, popular. Um, I think it's mainly circuit racing, but um yeah, I couldn't say how it's been affected drift-wise um, with mm. people, you know, picking mm. it up or not. But. I think it, there's 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 a, there's still. I think it's kind of the same, Abby. In terms of like the drifting world, like a lot of a lot of my friends, um, there there are there are now in, you know instead of just having like literally the brief the the. <laughs> 
the the BDC, the British Drifting Championship. Like you've got further level, like club level events below that that are more accessible. You know what I mean? That's the good. Then that's one of the things that one of the reasons why I moved to the UK is that the UK is really good with like a certain as soon as a certain car like reaches a certain age and goes below a certain price someone's going to come up with a championship for it it's it's yeah. it, genuinely like you know there's really? ford ka championships there's citroen c1s like all kinds of mx5s mr2s uh, ford focuses like as soon as you know what i mean the, the cars become like now there's the bmw one series trophy as well that you, you i think you did with brits uh, tim brit wasn't it yeah. Abby, you did like the they just, as soon as as soon as the cars become a bit more affordable someone like makes it you know there's clubs that put together championships oh, and it is it is you know you can do it as as a at a club level you know what i mean you can do if you have a a job that pays well enough so to speak and you've got a little bit of disposable income mm. yeah your first year you'll spend the money on the car and it's a bit of a hit but then the year after that it's a little bit cheaper and so on and so on and you get people who like i'm sure abby like when you started racing in the mx5 championship there's people who are still doing it you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I think, do you know years, what? I'm just like, trying to think. Maybe we've already been through this bit of a dip with motorsport. I, you know, maybe 2010 time. Um, I remember the grids weren't quite as big. And I think there's probably been a bit of a push over here to make these lower championships more um, feasible to do and easier. And there's a few more endurance championships coming out where you can split the costs with two or three drivers as well. So yeah. I think we've probably already had our bit of a lull. But yeah, whether this whole Brexit thing changes things at all um, with going to race out in Europe and that kind of stuff, but um, I don't think that'll stop us as Brits. I think mm -hmm. if we want to race out there, you know, we'll we'll jump through the hoops to go and do it. But um, yeah, it just I seems think to be booming. I think it's a sort of of two ends, like you said, Sung, because for example, yeah, so the the drifting champion, the biggest drifting championship out there, is seeing smaller numbers on YouTube, and it's like here is if you think big championships are seeing like 2000 viewers small championships are now seeing 2000 viewers which for them is like wow we never had this much attention before you know because of yeah. youtube because of the the online streaming yeah. stuff you know because it, before you used to you used to be like try to do championships that would have some tv exposure so you could sell that to yeah. you know promote yourself through that whereas now they are they're all kind of streamed in one way or another so you can put your car or your the brand in front of people. Um, yeah, it's, I, I think, like Abby said, here in the UK, it's it's okay. It's okay at the moment. And it, maybe, maybe it is a bit because of COVID. People are now like, I have felt that with, with coaching, with people looking for, co for driver coaching, where they've been like, right, I've had this GT3 in my garage that I just drive around the road, been meaning to take it around the track, never did it. All of a sudden, COVID, life as we know it kind of changed damn, I, I, I want to enjoy it. I want to go. I want to do it. You know what I mean? So they, they, maybe they're being a bit more sort of opening their purse a bit more. I don't know. Maybe it's yeah. a false, yeah, maybe it's a false thing. And then when, <laughs> when everyone runs out of money again. you got a purse, George. Uh, I, a man purse. <laughs> I've never had to call it a purse in ages. Only my mum. <laughs> well, you know, I'll a lot loosen of men the you say loosen the purse, purse strings right loosen the purse strings that's the yeah that's yeah, the, yeah. isn't it hang <laughs> on when he says it, 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 what's it it's a satchel actually a satchel. man purse a satchel a purse yeah. we call it a purse yeah. a purse yeah <laughs> a lot of asian men carry purses in asia it was a, when i went to asia it was a little weird for me because yeah. 
masculinity is defined a little differently in America and, and mm -hmm. compared to Asia. Like it's okay for an Asian man to have a perm and like bleaches hair blonde and wear a pink shirt and, you know, and tight, tight pants and have a merce. And it's still masculine, right? In America, you're like, whoa, 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 what is that? <laughs> <laughs> carrying a purse? Rocket. Hey, son, you can't be carrying a purse. But it's, it's interesting. Like all my cousins, yeah, they're really, they're, they're fashionistas, right? And they, these guys have like these purses. And I'm like, geez, man. And they spend money on their purse. Yeah. Yeah. It's Bob's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Got to look fresh, mm -hmm. haven't you? Mm -hmm. Got to look fresh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Abby, do you think um, your TV exposure doing the Grand Tour and things like that, do you think that helps with getting you seats? Uh, definitely. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, when I ended up doing the Grand Tour, I think it was the end of 2017 was my kind of first, um, when we first did the filming. And uh, 2017, I didn't actually race anything. Um, at 2016, I, I did a four-year British GT Um used all the money that I had um, from sponsors to do that and then um, finished second in Pro-Am but yeah didn't have any money to do anything the following year but um, thankfully I had a, um, a kind of shootout drive offered to me to race in Blancpain in, in the GT3 championship mm. and um, yeah I managed to do that and win the seat and then we ended up winning the race and it was like cool wicked you know perfect opportunity perfect result you know something's got to come from this and um I don't know whether it was because of that or just well they said it was a culmination of, of the different results and stuff I'd had over the year that um the Grand Tour wanted me to kind of come down and, and have an audition and just see if I was fast enough around the track and all that kind of stuff so you know thankfully you know was and, and got offered the job and um you know, obviously it's lifted my profile quite a lot. It's kind of um, given me a new audience um, to kind of, you know, show what I can do to as well. So, um, yeah, it, it's offered um, opportunities since then. You know, I've had a few guest drives in the Rallycross, in, in European Rallycross. Um, I had a, a guest drive in the Jaguar I-Pace as well that supports Formula E. Um, yeah, sure. And I think all the other bits and bobs that, that I've had along the way and, and opportunities and I've probably secured a few more sponsors on the back of it as well, which is, you know, obviously a, a massively important thing in motorsport. So, yeah, it's definitely not been a negative thing, that's for sure. Um, obviously, it's kind of similar to George when when track mode went out, you know, it, you're probably a bit nervous as to how it was going to be perceived. And, you know, for myself and, and being put in this in this role that's predominantly been a male role taken by the Stig, you know, it it's kind of one of those things where I was expecting a, quite a lot of negativity, you know, probably 60% or 50, 50, maybe let's say um, positive to negative, but actually it was like 98% positive. Like there were yeah. so, so many positive comments uh, from people and, you know, the, the two or 3% of negative stuff was just people that just didn't have anything to say. So they were like, well, you know, she's slow you know that kind of stuff so um <laughs> yeah. you know i would be more offended if it was you know if they'd actually taken time and find something to criticize me properly about but you know they couldn't do it um and you know it was quite overwhelming really the reaction that that everyone had with me so yeah mm. i think i think it's a com combination of um the grand tour and the producers doing it at the right time um picking the right person and <laughs> um yeah it all working working well together so I'm yeah, sorry positive I, thing. that was I, I run a site called Grand Tour Nation and it focuses on Grand Tour and the media stuff and it's it's pretty big uh, <laughs> and we only got positive comments about you 
through the whole yeah. thing. I there was never anything negative. Um, unlike now I say, but um, <laughs> the when what was it like? Yes, yes. The American guy. <laughs> yeah, Bless him. he I didn't think he go was, down he was too destined well. to fail. To be honest, with especially with the UK viewers. Um, yes, you know, oh, I yeah. think I think probably it was set up that you know the grand tour was earned by Amazon, which is an American yeah, company, American. and yeah. you know they wanted to just give it a little bit of an American kind of injection of, of humour. But I think us Brits were like, oh, goodness yeah. gracious me. Because, um, yeah, 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 I mean, I, I talked to him earlier this, uh, uh, late last year, and he was like, I was, he, he basically just said, I'm so annoyed because they gave me scripts and they gave me things to say. He's a that really, really, really nice guy. He's a really nice guy, yeah. But yeah. no, he, he didn't do too well from it, but he is a really nice guy and he's a great driver. Yeah. What was it like? What was it like driving for for like a film crew compared to driving competitively? What was the difference? Um, it's kind of a similar similar kind of pressure, but it's more done on like one lap kind of mm. you know, shootout type things, if you like, um, and making sure you get the shot first time. I mean, you don't have to in a lot of things. You know, they they'll want the shot a million times to get you know a couple of different angles from it, but. Um, I don't know if George, you're the same as me, but like, I want to nail it on that first shot and, you know, you'll give it your all, do it. And then they'll tweak it a little bit and stuff like that. And um, how the, how the, the laps are filmed is it, I'll end up doing like a few practice laps and then um, I'll maybe do, we've got to get two or three laps that are within like a 10th of each other so that we, it's a legit time and we know that I haven't mm. fluked it and that kind of stuff. Um, and once we get the laps in, then we'll do some shots for, um, for the for the cameras to all be, be put together for the film so um you'll see stuff where like um in the feature the cars will be drifting or you know it'll be a cool kind of slow-mo of the car and tracking of the car and stuff like that so you know that that stuff again is really exciting to do and i love it i absolutely love doing it and um mm. yeah it's a different kind of reward you get from from doing that as opposed to racing and, and winning a race but um it's all part of the same automotive bug that you and the same yeah. automotive fire that you kind of keep fueling and keep it going. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Did you work closely with uh, with Clarkson Hammond and May? Oh, and do they have stunt drivers? <laughs> so um worked closely with them on on a few of the different challenges. Most of the stuff that I did with um the lap times, we basically filmed that all on kind of one day. Um yeah. They're all incredibly good drivers. Um, when you see them going sideways, it is them. Um, you know, they're, they're all pretty handy. You know, if you compared them to like Joe Bloggs, you know, Mr. Public, um, yeah. you know, that they, they are a million steps ahead of, of kind of general public in that that view. And, you know, so they should be. They, they've spent their life playing around with cars yeah. and, um, you know, playing with cars and tracks. So, um, yeah, they are all extremely capable drivers and um, some more than others as we've seen from some of the crashes that, that some of them had. Um, but yeah, we can't all be perfect, can we? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I can't talk at all. <laughs> oh, nice. So when are we going to see you two on TV? <laughs> well, I think a guest appearance by Sun Kang on one of the episodes was definitely catapult the <laughs> show. It, it might kick it. To, it yeah. might kick it, yeah. No, to be honest, um, I, I don't know because it's it's... I don't want to say like YouTube is where it's at, but I'm, well. I'm okay with, yeah, no, I'm okay with, with the freedom that we have from, mm. you know what I mean? From doing things on the internet. Um, sometimes stuff on TV, like Abby said, like they're, they're all really good drivers. 
Um, like if you only need to go and see like a Top Gear live show at the time to see them, the three of them coming in doing helicopter do helicopter donuts, like you don't do that if you're a bad driver, you know what I mean? So sometimes you have to play that part a bit, you know, Captain Slow, whatever, like, and I don't know, online, you just got a bit more freedom to sort of be yourself and people just kind of either take to that or, or not, you know, and I'm okay with that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. it's quite accessible as well. You know, everything now is streamed. Um, so, you know, if you if you watch it on the TV on like a whatever mainstream channel, um, you know, you miss it. Then actually, sometimes it's a bit difficult to find. Whereas if you're online, you, you know, type it in and and there it is. Um, but you know, if there's ever any opportunities to to get on TV and do something similar, then you know, George and I will, will jump at the opportunities to For do sure. so. But um, yeah. yeah, I'm same as George. Kind of happy where I am at the moment. Um, I've got what is hopefully going to be a busy year ahead um so yeah. yeah if there was any tv stuff come up anyway it might be a little bit difficult to kind of fit it in which is a nice yeah, yeah. problem to have um <laughs> but yeah yeah we'll, and we'll like, see what happens too, possibly yeah. in the future not to not to blow like our own trumpet too much but uh yeah I, go I, on george I, do I would, it i would no i would i would challenge people to you know like the top gear has always been like literally the standard for for cinematography in terms of like car videos and you know if you go on carfection and a, and a few other channels but like uh you you're gonna struggle to like see stuff that's that much better on tv nowadays i think oh, you're like, you're so right yeah the quality like you know someone i was doing a podcast the other day um uh it was more of a technical like more to do with the cinematography podcast and uh, um they were asking me like about uh, when when did I start at Carfection? And they had said that like Carfection is to cars what BBC Wildlife is to animals. You know what I mean? Like what the David Attenborough shows that you see with animals. Yeah, like that's you know that's not me saying it. Someone else saying yeah. it. And I thought that's that's a pretty good place to be to be at. You yeah, know what absolutely. I mean? Because mm -hmm. it, it do, we do put we got Charlie Charlie Rose. He's our sort of like in house um, guru like video and like he's an incredible editor and incredible videographer and and like every video that comes out it just gets gets better and better you know what i mean like so yeah i'm, I'm happy to i'm very kind of you know you get a bit of that um imposter syndrome sometimes because you're like damn like how how am i up here with these people that are so good at what they do you know what i mean so mm. no i mean coming from a car enthusiast like you know we're kind of used to these these vloggers on youtube but then car fiction came along and not that the, the vlogging thing is bad. It's just a different, it's just a different style. Different. But Car Affection came along and it, it was almost like they translated the world of car magazines to YouTube. And you just think, how can they do this? You know, it's it, on, on YouTube and, you know, obviously the, the, you've got a budget, but it's not as high as these TV guys. You just think that's ridiculous. You know, it's the quality is brilliant. And, and I'm really enjoying track mode and I can't wait to see more of it. Um, no, no so, we. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't wait. And we have featured it on Sung's Garage, and you know, readers absolutely loved it. They went mad for it. I will, I will, I will frame and put on my wall for sure. <laughs> Too kind. Is is production shut down in the UK? Is that why you guys yeah. can't be shooting? You're completely shut down. Completely. Yeah. We we are on full lockdown. Um, and and yeah, there's just no probably. yeah till probably yeah. April. It's looking like um, April. Yeah, we got even more bad news today, didn't we? More <laughs> was the news today. Boris, or he's like uh, he's saying that the the faster the virus that you know they're like um, 
uh, what mutating you call it, um, the mutation. Yeah, it was, it was spreading faster, but now they're saying that it's actually uh, more potent as well. I, it, we, yeah. it is what it is. It is. Yeah. It, no. We gotta. We'll we gotta see. Stick, we gotta stick it out. It yeah. is what it is. I'm That's trying to get stuff. over to across the pond. That's no, why I keep asking. I know. <laughs> we want you here. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, they, they're literally. We we were we were thinking of maybe taking refuge, so to speak, in Portugal. Taking my wife and my and my son uh, to Portugal for a bit, so you can at least spend some time with my family. Right. But uh, they've yeah. they've yeah. suspended yeah. all flights. Banders, don't they? Yeah, literally. Yeah. No, no in and out. No in or out. Pesky Brits. None. Even if you don't end up um, coming over to the UK, I've got one race in um, America uh, at Curta. Mm -hmm. So if you can get down, oh, you well. are more than welcome to come and um, have a little look around and see what the F1 paddock's like. I but yeah, that's Curta. not going to be till October. Track. So hopefully okay. by that, that <laughs> point, everything will be. Some somewhere. Back to yeah, we we want to go and shoot some episodes of track mode in the US as yeah. well. You know, yeah. like it's, literally, we oh, yeah, we but... we always ask the viewers, and and everyone's like, you know, come to uh, Laguna Seca, yeah, yeah. do like yeah. oh, all these amazing tracks. Oh, this one's really good. This one, and I'm like, yeah, I know, I, I really want to. Like, <laughs> You guys got I gotta yeah. I gotta link you guys up with Pat, the new owner of Bondarats Racing School. That is a great mm -hmm. track for you guys to do history yes. on. And and the new owner is just a great, great human being. And they need help because that, you know, sure. he went and actually rescued that whole uh, institution because it was gonna it was gonna go to his one of his Bandarat's like fifth wife or sixth wife or something like that. So um this guy is actually trying to keep this legacy going. So I would love for you, for you guys to meet him. For sure. the track. That yeah. is the kind of track, you know what I mean? Like th that we yeah. want to visit, you know, something that has history from the get go that we can discover, you know what I mean? While we're there. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, if I can come to Coda, if I'm not in England in October, I'll come out and see you, Abby. That'd be cool. I love, I love Coda. That's a beautiful track out there. A lot of friends out yeah, there. Yeah, I've never so. driven it. I've only done it on the sim. So lots to learn. Yeah. But it's, it looks <laughs> wicked. Yeah, it's a great town too. So, um, all right. So, anything else, Alex? Nice. I mean, we—I don't want to keep everybody. This is—I I feel like I can talk to you all day. It's a yeah, good hour yeah. and a half already. Wow, this. Yeah, I've—I've I've decided that as soon as we can, I'm getting lessons, guys. <laughs> I'm hitting you up for some driving lessons. Yeah. 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 No, good. Yeah. No, definitely. Thanks well, so much for for joining us. It's been it's been really good, and we can't wait to watch track mode. Uh, where can people find you? Instagram, YouTube. Go, Abby. Abby? Yeah. Um, Instagram, uh, abbyton 44 Same on Twitter. Um, YouTube, I've got a few little bits and bobs on there. But, yeah, just go through it um, from my LinkedIn. Uh, sorry, from my Instagram. And, yeah, YouTube for car perfection and more track mode. All right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I've not been great with social media in the past. And I'm now sort of kind of... I just, yeah, it's a love-hate relationship, but uh, you will mostly find me on Instagram, uh, George Collado Racing. That would be the, but yeah, just Google me. <laughs> Google. Google. We'll put Google links in the, we'll put Google links Google all over the place as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to find you guys. It's yeah. easy. Yeah, it's pretty definitely. easy to find you guys. Carfection, yeah. track yeah. mode for, for loads of amazing car content. Yeah, seriously, yeah. watch it. It's very, very good. Definitely. Very good.
Um, yeah. You can find us, just search yeah, sungsgarage.com, find us on Twitter, Facebook, all that, just search Sung's Garage. It's very simple. Thank you so much for joining us. Really enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun. And you know, if we can help out, it's, it's all in the future. Um, you know, we'll always feature your videos and things like that. They're, they're Alex, great. quick question. Why do we have to tell people where to find us? Because if they're watching us, they already found us. Yeah. But if they found us through Twitter and not Facebook. Oh, oh right, 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 right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. People want to find something. I feel so bad for Alex because every time he's like, and I've got to do this. It's the worst part, <laughs> man. It's the worst. I feel so bad plugging. I don't like... I don't like it. I've, I've never been good at social media either. It's, it's one of the, my least favorite things, but it's my job. <laughs> so if I, it, if I, let me ask you this. Why is it your least favorite thing? You both say you have a love and hate relationship with social media. What is the hate part? I don't understand it. Because yeah, it's, it's, maybe hate's uh, it has not the no right Because okay. Maybe hate's not the right word because the, the, the hateful part of, of social media is, you know, the whole all sort of dark side of the internet yes. in general. It's not yeah. just social oh, media, right. you know, right, right. but when I say love it, it's just that sometimes, you know, the a number of subscribers or a number of followers, you know, just kind of doesn't really translate, doesn't really mm. show who you are and what, or what you've been doing. Oh, and sometimes yeah, you do absolutely. the right things. Sometimes you do the right things and you just don't get that recognition that you think you deserve it. That's, that's, that's fine. That's, that's just the way the world is. So, yeah, no, I, I, I'm okay with social media. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, I understand what you're saying because, you know, if, if sometimes I feel like I question humanity because I put something up that is positive that actually feels like it has depth. There's mm -hmm. like two likes, you know, two likes yeah. from a super fan that's not even reading what I'm writing. It's just because there's a, yeah. a post up, right? And then you put, hey, look at this badass booty <laughs> of a Ferrari. It's like a billion views, right? You're Literally. Like, Mm. what is this mm. right yeah. so i, I get it but yeah but that's where we come in and we camouflage the message <laughs> right like, there's a purpose yes. behind it we're still looking delicious right but then <laughs> you know, we got the extra layers right so, yeah. <laughs> nice yeah it's just that's the thing with social i feel i find with with facebook and twitter the negative stands out and that like my my main job is is writing and putting out articles and I find mm -hmm. if I put out an article, if someone likes it, they don't, they don't say anything. They just go about their life. If someone doesn't like it, they will tell you straight away and use all the, all the swear words and call you all the names in the book. And like when you were saying, you know, what, what, um, how do you pick yourself up after, after getting yeah. a no? That's like my kind of no. When someone replies um, and you see a comment going, I don't, I don't agree, you're shit. It's, I don't read comments anymore. That's why I don't do social media. I just... It's the negativity that just rise. That is, that's the cream that just rises to the top. Oh, uh, I can see that. Yeah, mm. I have that problem with like reading comments too. And then mm. Mm. I used to retaliate. I used to retaliate, and then I realized it wasn't. It wasn't to. fair. Ooh. Yeah, it's not fair when I'm retaliating against a twelve-year-old in Jamaica somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> We'll only get positive yeah. comments on this though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hope. I get it. Yeah. It's, it's contextualized. Oh. I understand. I understand. Yeah. Well, all right, guys. Well, cool. Thanks, hey. everyone. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. True honor. Likewise. Thank you, guys. I can't wait to meet you guys in person. Um, thank you for your time. Um, yeah, I really appreciate it. Friday night. Yeah, and 
With all, all right. the jokes aside, thank you for what you guys shared. Um, it's really, yeah, it's giving me some yeah, answers. Thank you for like. thank you for giving us thank you for giving us the time, giving us a platform to yeah. come and put the name of the, the show out there and, and ourselves a bit. Oh, it's a well. pleasure. So, and it's a if, pleasure. You, yeah. if you do end up coming to the UK and you do end up being able to come and have a look at Jess's 350, she will <laughs> probably die with excitement. So yeah. um, we'll make it happen. Yeah, we'll, we'll make it touch. happen. Yeah, we'll definitely make Sounds that good. happen. Sounds um, good. You guys are going to do great. I don't worry about you guys. You guys are going to be a, a smashing success because I can tell, yeah. and I'm usually right about these things. You guys embody a soul that it needs to be out there. So thank you for existing and thank you for being you guys. So, uh, thank you, Ryan. It's our pleasure. Pleasure. 